Hey, deserving listeners, it's just me today. I'm going to talk about the movie Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, because I want to. It is a great movie, and it deserves some comment. And we're heading into Oscar season, so I plan on talking about a lot of Oscar movies, because some of you enjoy it, and I always enjoy it. So let's get into it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda, I'm a therapist and I'm also a professor. Rotten Tomatoes, 94%. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a this is an extremely high rating for a movie that could have easily been taken wrong or um, you know, it's there's there's a lot in this movie that could be criticized that it takes a lot of risks. Let's just put it that way. This movie takes a lot of risks. By the way, I'm going to not spoil it because there's, I want you to see it. I'm guessing not a lot of people are going to see it. And there are a number of plot twists that if I mention them, will will, I guess, ruin the movie. And I really want people to see this movie. It's not only uh, a funny, entertaining interesting, moving movie, but it also, I think, is kind of important to our times in in a number of ways, which I'll get into. You know, like the movie uh, Manchester by the Sea, that that movie, if, if taken in as a study of what real grief can look like, I think it's that, you know, it's an important movie to see. You know, when you see Star Wars, these are amazing movies, which I will love and cherish for all my days, but I don't consider them to be important social commentary. Aside, well, I mean, I guess the new movies, you could say there are non-traditional, non-white male heroes, which is cool. But Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri has some extremely relevant themes, which I'll get into. Anyway, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Eight out of ten is a very high rating for me. I I reserve uh, nine and you know ratings of nine and ratings of ten for extremely uh, rare situations. So eight out of ten means I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of Oscar buzz for this picture, for best picture, for best screenplay, for lead actress, and for for Frances McDormand, and for best supporting actor. Sam Rockwell. I predict that it will win. I mean, who knows? Because I haven't seen the uh, most of the Oscar movies haven't come out yet, which is annoying to me. I just have to say, why do all the Oscar movies have to come out in December? I realize why it's because everyone's like, oh, it has to, you know, you want the buzz to carry you into the Oscar season. Uh, It's annoying. Um, So it's like suddenly it's like, there's no mo- no good movies to see for the most part from January t- through November. And then suddenly in December, there's like 30 movies that are amazing and I have to watch all of them. It's just, it's just a weird system. Anyway, um, I predict based on current situations that three billboards will be in the running for the screenplay, very much in the running for lead actress. Frances McDormand carries this uh, film and it's a very complicated character, hard to act. Uh, she is very believable. Um, and, uh, and 
people really love Frances McDormand, so <laughs> I'm guessing she's going to win. Sam Rockwell, I don't think he's ever won an Oscar, and he deserves to. And uh, Best Supporting, I think, would be a good place for him to get an Oscar. Anyway, it's considered a, a black comedy or a, a dark comedy, which I would agree with. Um, so let me talk about the good things, then I'll get into the bad things. So the good things is that in terms of the relevance to our current situation in our society, or and by current, I mean the past hundred years, because <laughs> people seem to think like race relations and police brutality is, is a new topic, but it is, it's not new. The, the, the issues of, of race and police brutality and uh, respecting the flag have, if you're old enough, you know that it's, there's, there's been like ups and downs of this for a long time. And we're definitely seeing it manifest in kind of a unique way right now because of the internet and because of Trump and everything. But really it, it's, it's, it's been an ongoing struggle for a long time. Anyway, so this movie deals with issues of black, white relations it, it deals with issues of police versus, you know, uh, black people and minorities and just the public in general. It deals with uh, Missouri being in the South. It deals with small town thinking. It deals with terminal illness. It deals with grief. It deals with family dynamics and family conflict. It deals with domestic violence. It deal, but, and through all this, it's done with comedy. It's definitely a comedy, even though it deals with all these really horrible things. And there are some, there are some tough moments, you know, not horrible moments, but you know how Manchester by the Sea, if you saw that, it had some comedic moments, but it was very heavy. Uh, th- three billboards is not heavy almost ever. And there are also moments where it's actually kind of like a, like an action movie. There's some... There's some mild action in the movie that it's it's sort of suspenseful or intensely thrilling. I don't know the word. Um, the writing is excellent. The the story is just amazing. Uh, I'm going to get into the the director and everything, but he he uh, Martin McDonough has written and directed and been involved with some of my favorite movies of all time: In Bruges, The Guard, and Seven Psychopaths. He's only made a, a small set of movies or been involved with a small set of movies, and all of them I've either rated a 9 or a 10. So uh, so, so three billboards of the movies he's been involved with is, is involved with is my least favorite, and I give it an 8 out of 10. So he, he's a very consistent uh, artist for me anyway. Um, the story is excellent. It kept my interest. It, it went in a lot of directions I didn't see coming but believable directions. I mean, you could argue some of the directions were like, oh, I don't know if that seems realistic, but honestly, to me, it did. Uh, there were, it was a, you know, I said, I'm not going to spoil it. Cause I, I don't want to spoil it. There's, there are some interesting plot developments where you're like, huh, I didn't see that one coming, but it all makes sense. And I, I really liked that about the story. The characters are so interesting, especially the the main, I don't know, five characters at the top are just so well-developed, so realistic, so interesting, so um, compelling, and you really feel for them. Um, Also, the way that the guy wrote it, 
everyone is in the gray zone. The lead is, you know, the, the, the hero isn't all good. She's not all good. The villain isn't all bad. In fact, it, by the end, you don't really know who the villain is. There's one guy who you could arguably say is absolutely the villain, but but he's a very ancillary character. All the main characters, you're, by the end of the movie, you're like, huh, so who's the bad guy now? And I really like it when writers write characters that are that are in the gray zone because everyone is in the gray zone. I, there's, you know... The, the best person on the planet has done some pretty bad things. And the worst person on the planet has done some good things. So anyway. Um, also, the story is written in a way that doesn't have a Hollywood ending. There, there are some Hollywood-ish ending bits. But for the most part, it's very not Hollywood the way it ends. There are some story arcs that, in a very realistic way, just do not get resolved. You know, there, there are story arcs where you're just like, well, I guess we'll never know that question. <laughs> we'll never know the answer to that question because for a lot of people, that's just the way it is. Also, along the same lines, there's no real clear moral message. It, you know, if you analyze this in art class or in philosophy class, there would be a lot of debate as to what the movie is saying or what about life this is illuminating or something because in some ways it's like anger is anger and revenge are bad things that's one moral you could take away from it but you could also take the reverse that anger and revenge are good things that you should actually take action because there are times when anger and aggression is called for also there are issues as to racism and violence against racism is when is it okay to be aggressive against racism and against bullies? When is it okay? Also another sort of side note, any of any of you fans who watch it's always sunny in Philadelphia, uh, you'll all know who Max mom is played by the actress. She's the one who's always smoking and grunting. Well, she's in this movie and she plays almost the exact same character. <laughs> so kind of gives you an idea of like the tone of this movie. I, I read one review online from a, it is not a journalist, but just someone that on the internet reviewing and they just, it was like two sentences. It said something like too much smoking in this movie. Stop it. Hollywood or something. <laughs> so it's funny. It's like, um, people smoke, you know, there, there's, there's still, a lot of there's millions of Americans who smoke a lot. So I don't know what your problem is. Um, as I said earlier, it's legitimately funny. There were moments where I was cracking up. I was like, you know, laughing out loud, couldn't stop laughing for 10 seconds. Having said that, I will tell you that I heard no, I heard very few other people laughing and there were, you know, a fair amount of people in the theater with me. So I don't know what that's about. <laughs> I was definitely, there were definitely some moments where I was like that, that's hilarious, you know, and was uncontrollably laughing. <clears throat> also the main character played by Frances McDormand, her character is so well-written. It is so well-written, so well-directed, so well-acted. It's like a perfect, it's one of these, it's like the dude, you know, there's these perfect characters that are just perfectly created 
uh, I predict that this character will, you know, live on forever. They'll be like, oh, like Francis McDormand's character in Three Billboards. That that character was amazing. Uh, you know, she's she cares a lot. You can tell, but she's also super tough, and she does not play games with bullies. And you you know, she really stands up to bullies, and she knows how to do it. But at the same time, you can tell she's terrified. She's she's scared. Um, she also responds to her ex-husband in this way that you don't expect. Because the movie starts off with she's super tough, and she always knows what to say, and she doesn't take any shit, and she, she always knows how to sort of handle the situation. But then her ex-husband enters the picture, who is arguably a, an evil, domestically violent, horrible person. And her tone kind of changes because you can tell that she still has romantic feelings for him. And I just, I just thought that that whole thing was just so well designed. Um, she's a true hero for our times, I think. Another good thing about this movie is that there are no artsy bells and whistles. I mean, I like artsy, like I like artsy stuff, like the new Blade Runner twenty forty nine has a lot of artsy scenes, a lot of like weird cinematography and weird sets and stuff. And I, I dig that kind of stuff for sure. But this movie, it, given its subject matter, given its setting, uh, and given the director's style, just doesn't have any of that stuff. It's, it's just a straightforward story with a straightforward cinematography scheme, straightforward dialogue. It's just, it, it was really refreshing to see that, you know, it's, there was no, there were no scenes where I was like, "Oh, this is the director's um, moment to shine to really show his ability to construct a, a frame." You know, there wasn't. There, there were a couple of scenes where I guess maybe now that I think about it, could be considered that, but it wasn't obvious. Let's put it that way. Um, <clears throat> there's also criticism from people saying that it's a ripoff of a Coen Brothers movie. You know, like "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" and and um, uh, big Lebowski, that kind of stuff. But it is, it is so much more than that. And honestly, it's much more entertaining than the average Cohen movie as a Cohen fan myself. And I've seen, I think, I think I've seen every Cohen movie, uh, at least, you know, 96% of Cohen movies. There's probably maybe one that I haven't seen. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm a huge Cohen brothers fan. And there are some Cohen brothers movies where I, I have to sort of power through them, you know, where, about midway through, I'm like, okay, where is this going? And the the setting, they're you know, the Coen brothers are really great with setting up a story, creating characters. But there's a certain point in some Coen, Coen brothers movies where it's like, okay, so now what? Let's get on with it. You know, like Inside Lewin Davis had that quality to me. It's like there were parts where I was like, oh man, this is really great. And then somewhere toward the middle or two thirds of the way through, I'm just like, okay, I'm bored now. Like, where's the story? And, and I think we're too in love with the characters and not enough in love with entertaining the crowd. <laughs> well, this movie, three billboards doesn't do any of that. It's, it's, it's entertaining. There's, you know, there's story that, you know, keeps you watching and you're like, Oh, what's going to happen to that person? And wait, what's going to happen there? And who's going, you know, <clears throat> so and it doesn't have a feel as a Coen Brothers movie, so I don't understand why anyone would would call it that. And even if it was a ripoff of a Coen Brothers movie, it's like, so what? You know, people rip off people all the time. 
um, Quentin Tarantino rips off Scorsese all the time, you know, and, and he also rips off um, Kung Fu movies all the time and B movies. And stuff. I was like, who cares? You know, just, just as long as it's not like blatant plagiarism or something, it's like, you know, it's fine to riff off other people. Um, so yeah. Um, now what are the bad things about this movie? Well, there's very few bad things, so this is really splitting hairs. But there, there were a couple, there are a couple scenes that I didn't like. There's this one scene between Woody Harrelson's character and his wife, played by Abby Cornish, and they're having this nice moment. They're talking and stuff, and she, she come, she's very crass in the scene. You know, she, as a, she's this cute young wife, and out of her mouth comes these very very crude things and it's supposed to be this endearing moment and i found it to be just kind of jarring in some ways and, and over the top and i i you know I, I like i like it's always sunny so i like crude humor for sure but it just felt disjointed and and i've seen this in a number of movies where a a male writer will be writing a scene in which you have a, a man and a woman um, trying to be intimate. You know, there's always that scene in a movie where you try to establish early on in the movie, like these two people are in love. You know, it's like you have a man and a woman, you're, and you're, you need to very quickly establish that these two people are in love and they have sex a lot. <laughs> you know, there's, there's always this, this scene where um, that happens and uh, there's just been there's this there's been this recent uh, trend among writers where they'll write the woman character as this extremely crude person. It, essentially, it's like I I, th I don't know exactly what's going through the writer's head, but I think what it is it's like f you know for you guys in the audience, look how cool she is. You know she she's not your typical prude who doesn't like to swear or talk about penises or something you know this this woman she she's super cool and she can talk like a guy and and it's like you know and in my real life i'm totally cool with that but i just feel like these writers are just, i don't know i just feel like they're just taking it too far and to me it's almost become like a mini cliche as of late and i, I find and to me I'd, I'd much rather see just just you know you don't have to make it over the top just make two people connecting what's wrong what's wrong with two people connecting and why do there have to be so much of that stuff anyway if you see the movie like you I, I think you'll know what i'm talking about there's also a dentist scene that i thought just felt unrealistic and kind of strange um and i wish they would have reworked that a little bit i th you know i and plus it didn't really depend the plot really didn't depend on that but anyway um also, the ex-husband, Frances McDormand's character, her ex-husband has a very young wife now. She's like 20 years old, 19 years old. And I felt like that character was a little cartoonish and maybe a little even ageist in some way. It just, it felt, it just felt a little mean at times. And um, so, yeah. 
Also, the movie was a little too long. I think it could have been trimmed down. It was, it was, it, it was, it felt like a, it was two hours long, but it felt like a long two hours at times toward the end. Um, you know, whatever happened to that magic 90 minute, uh, you know, guideline. Also, there were some, there was some violence in the movie that was a little too much. Again, I like violent movies. It's fine. I don't, that doesn't scare me, but it just felt like, okay, you know, I get it. There's bad things happening. <laughs> you know, let, let's, let's take it to the, yeah. I just feel like there's certain scenes now where they're like, let's, let's drag out this violence a little bit. You know, I, I just didn't think that that was always necessary. Um, also Woody Harrelson's character is the, you know, Woody Harrelson himself is 21 years older than the woman who's playing his wife. And it's very, it's very clear. I mean, Woody Harrelson doesn't look like a young man in this movie, but the woman who's playing his wife looks, looks very young. I mean, and, and as I've made episodes about age difference in relationships, we all know that age difference is fine and our notions about it being a bad thing are completely cultural and not based on any kind of empirical science. So if, if people want to have a 20 year old, 20 year old age difference in their marriage, that is a hundred percent fine. And there is nothing wrong with that. And we should stop looking down at people like that. On the other hand, uh, in movies, there's this tendency whenever you have a uh, lead or a, you know, a big actor like Woody Harrelson, they will often pair them up with a, with a wife who is very much younger than that, than they are. And I find that to be, it's fine if you do it every now and then, but if you do it all the time and, you know, cause Woody Harrelson himself, he's probably, I don't know, 50 something, 55, 50 to 55. And so realistically, what you would do is you would find a woman who was, you know, at least 45, if not 55 or 60 herself. And there's this thing in Hollywood, like you can't, it, you can't have a 55 year old woman in a movie unless it's like Frances McDormand, who is like this tough mom, you know? So if you want to have this, this sympathetic wife to Woody Harrelson, you've got to, you've got to cast like a young, beautiful girl. And I just found that, I don't know. I just, again, if it was the first three or four times, it's like, okay, whatever. But it just happens so often, so often there, there's certain men, you know, like you have um, Robert De Niro in a movie and he has a wife and his wife is it, the, the character or the actress who was playing his wife is like 30 years younger than him. And it's just like, you know, uh, there's something weird about that. <laughs> I just have to say that again, there's nothing wrong with age differences in relationships at all. Um, you know, if you're a, a 30 year old woman and you're married to a, a 55 year old man, uh, 25 years older than you, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, we need to stop looking at it that way. But at the same time, the, the constant casting decisions in these movies is, is just getting a little annoying to me. Um, and when I see realistic aged people together in, you know, they'll, they'll actually, when I see movies and they have Woody Harrelson and they, they, a guy like Woody Harrelson and they cast a woman who is 
who looks like she is similar to his age, I really commend them. I'm like, oh, good job. Like this, this looks real to me. You know, this looks typical to me because although age difference in relationships are empirically fine and the only reason why we condemn them is because of our weird cultural notions, the fact is, is that the vast majority of people marry people who are very close in age to them, meaning within three to five years. So, uh, so that, I don't know. Anyway. Um, also the trailers make it look like it's a romp, like it's, um, you know, this funny, you know, take no shit woman who like talks a lot of shit to people. And it's like, yeah, that's part of it. But really it's so much more than that. Um, you know, you can't, it's hard to make a trailer for a movie like this because it, it doesn't really have an, uh, an analogous movie that you could compare it to. And you don't want to spoil some of the important story twists that it has. Anyway. So again, I gave it an eight out of 10. I might even bump it up to a nine out of 10 in the future. I'm not sure. The writing is awesome. I, I would be very happy if the director won for best screenplay and for Francis McDormand winning, winning for lead actress. I think those are uh, very, so, so my, my, the negatives are, are very, I'm just splitting hairs. Okay. So let's get into the psychology of it for a second, but first let's take a break. All right. We're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast, do so now go to patreon.com. Also spread the word about the podcast, you know, post our episodes on your places, your, your Facebooks and your Twitters and stuff. Uh, that's always a great thing that you can do to spread the word. Okay, so let's get into the psychology. Um, there's a lot of grief in this in this uh, story, um, and the main plot involving Francis McDormand, McDormand, you could say, is primarily based on grief and guilt about loss. She in a very economic way, they tell the story that basically shows you that she's, she's dealing with some demons about her own behavior. And she is, I mean, so in the, in the previews, you know, that Francis McDormand's character, her daughter died and, and was, was raped and killed. And, there and about mid, but you don't really. So for the first half of the movie, all you kind of know is like she's she really wants to find the the criminals who or the criminal who did this to her daughter, and she wants the police department to find these people, and they, she believes the police department aren't doing enough. Um, but about midway through the movie, you you discover some things where you're just like, oh is this really about her finding the killers or is this about her own guilt for feeling as though she's responsible for her daughter's death? And they very quickly sort of tell us bits and stories about, you know, about why that is. And, and so, so Francis McDormand's character is, uh, she's dealing with a lot of pain. She's dealing with a lot of guilt She's dealing with a lot of grief. She misses her daughter. She feels responsible, probably. She feels like she has to take matters into her own hands. She is, she's angry. She's sad. She's, you know, there's just a, a lot of that in the movie that I think they, they portrayed really well. Um, also, 
the the villain in the movie uh there's a there's a pivotal moment in his story uh, so this is the the Sam Rockwell character so Sam Rockwell usually plays these nice guys but in this movie he he plays a racist really on on some levels just a terrible person and he, he it's not it's sort of a comedic terrible person if that makes any sense but um there's a there's a point in the movie uh, toward the end where he he reads a letter from his mentor and in this in this letter his mentor basically says i believe in you and even though i i know you don't think i believe in you i really believe in you and i i i see good in you and i know you can do good and at this point was a pivotal moment for the Sam Rockwell character. And, you know, I won't go into the details, but basically the psychology about this in general that I can talk about is that when, when people exhibit bad behavior that we might call it, you know, antisocial behavior, uh, bullying behavior, racist behavior, when we, when we, when they have, when that person has a mentor that believes in them and loves them and guides them, then in my experience and research shows us too, the individual is much more likely to head in a more functional direction. There's something about having a mentor believe in you. There's something about having a mentor love you unconditionally and just be like, you know what? I get it. I, I'm with you. And I believe you can do it. I believe you're a good person. It's sort of like when Luke is talking to Darth Vader and he's, I, you know, I sense good in you. It's, it's a similar kind of thing. It's like sometimes all you, that's all someone needs is someone just to say, you know what? I, I know you can do it and I see it in you. And as someone who is sometimes in a mentor role to people, I will recognize that power and and put it to use. People will, I'll notice supervisees or students will be struggling with their confidence in something and, and I will call upon that voice inside of me and, and tell them what I, what's inside of me, which is like, I believe in you. I know you're going to do great. And here's what I see in you. Here are the strengths I see in you. And, people thrive under that kind of stuff. And so if you're, if you're struggling with self-esteem, get a mentor, develop a cultivate a relationship with a, with a helpful mentor. If you're in a position where you can mentor other people, use that because it's so powerful to people. There's also in this movie regarding psychology. Another thing you could say is that there's an interesting depiction of domestic violence that it, again, very quick, but a very economic, but, um, but an interesting kind of mini study on, um, in, you know, violence in families. Okay. So I want to conclude here by just going over the different figures, uh, who, you know, the writer, director, and the actors. Um, it was written and directed by Martin McDonough, who is a British Irish guy. He's actually a very accomplished playwright and he's, he has four Tony nominations. So he's a very accomplished playwright and a very accomplished 
uh, movie director and writer. He, in 2008, he wrote and directed In Bruges, which has Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson in it. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's in my top 100. I gave it a 10 out of 10. In Bruges is it's just a, a wonderful, funny, interesting, violent movie. Uh, in um, 2011, he, he produced the, a movie called The Guard, which stars Brandon Gleeson and Don Cheadle. And I gave this movie a 9 out of 10, and it was written and directed by his brother, uh, John Michael McDonough, but but he produced The Guard, so you know he was involved in it quite a bit. And then 2012, he wrote and direct, wrote, directed Seven Psychopaths, which starred Colin Farrell, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, and Christopher Walken. Uh, I gave that one a 9 out of 10. I need to rewatch that movie because I forget why I liked Seven Psychopaths so much, and for that matter, The Guard. I need to watch The Guard and Seven Psychopaths. If I described those two movies to you, or really even all three, In Bruges as well, it's like you'd be like, huh, why is that so great? Well, there's just something about the way that Martin McDonough um, writes and directs and the way the characters are just so well-realized that I, I don't know, I just really enjoy it. Okay, who started this movie? Well, again, mentioned Frances McDormand. You might remember her from... Raising Arizona, Mississippi Burning, Miller's Crossing, Dark Man, Barton Fink, Shortcuts, The Hudsucker Proxy. Fargo is probably her biggest movie. She's the lead in Fargo. She's Marge Gunderson. She was in Almost Famous and Flux, Burn After Reading. Apparently the Coen brothers really like her. She was in one of the Transformers movies. She was in Moonrise Kingdom, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. She was one of the voices in The Good Dinosaur which I think is an underrated Pixar movie. She was in Hail Caesar and again in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And next year she'll be in Isle of Dogs, which is the new Wes Anderson movie that I'm very much looking forward to. And I'm pretty sure that for next Halloween, I'm going to go as um, the Japanese kid. <laughs> um, she, Frances McDormand has achieved the triple crown of acting because she has won an Academy Award for Fargo she won a Tony Award for a Broadway play called Good People in 2011, and she's won an Emmy Award for the HBO miniseries Olive Kitteridge, which uh, came out in 2014. So you've all heard of the EGOT, right? So this is the this is um, the e this is the GOT, right? No, this is the EOT because she's she hasn't earned a Grammy. Um, so she she has she has an Oscar, a Tony, and an Emmy. So the tri- triple crown of acting. And she has been married to Joe Cohen, one of the Cohen brothers, since 1984. All right, Woody Harrelson. You, uh, The first movie that I really remember him from, of course, he was on Cheers for so long, but the first movie I remember him from was White Man Can't Jump, which is one of Umberto's favorite movies. Indecent Proposal, Natural Born Killers, The People vs. Larry Flint, Kingpin, great movie. The Thin Red Line, great movie. A Prairie Home Companion, No Country for Old Men, Battle in Seattle, <laughs> Semi-Pro, Trans-Siberian. That was a great movie, Trans-Siberian. Zombieland, The Hunger Games, Seven Psychopaths, Out of the Furnace, great movie. Triple Nine, another great movie. War of the Planet of the Apes, another great movie. <laughs> and LBJ is coming out later in December, um, and, and, and he plays uh, Johnson. So that'll be interesting. Sam Rockwell is also in this movie. He's one of my favorite actors. I've been following him 
since his early days in the 90s. He was one of those actors who in the 90s I was like, I really like just, I don't care about the story. I don't care about the directing. I just want to watch this guy do stuff. <laughs> There's just something about Sam Rockwell, the way he does stuff. I was just like, I just want to watch this guy do things. The first movie I remember seeing him in, it was 96 box of moonlight. Um, he was in lawn dogs, Jerry and Tom. I remember liking that he was in the green mile. I think he plays like a bad person in that movie, but his big breakout role was in galaxy quest in which he plays, um, guy, <laughs> um, galaxy quest is one of my favorite movies. Charlie's Angels, Confessions of a Danger, Dangerous Mind. He plays the lead in that. Mat, Matchstick Men, Piccadilly Jim, um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He plays Zaphoid, Beeblebrox. Beeble the Assassination of Jesse James by uh, by the coward Robert Ford. He was in Choke, which is kind of the follow-up to Fight Club. He was in Frost Nixon. He was in Moon, which is amazing. Cowboys and Aliens, Seven Psychopaths, The Way, Way Back, which is a great movie. Mr. Right, which I don't remember if I liked it or I think I did not like that movie, Mr. Right. I remember it ending kind of weird. Uh, also in this movie is Peter Dinklage, whom you all know from Game of Thrones. He plays Tyrion. But I've, I've been following his work as well ever since he was in Living in, a, in Oblivion uh, in, in 1995. Human Nature, a Michelle Gondry movie. Station Agent was the movie he. I remember really noticing him because he plays a lead in Station Agent and just being like, whoa, this guy is really good. He's an elf. He, he kind of has a, like a, what do you call it, a cameo in Elf. He's in The Baxter. He was in uh, Prince Caspian, the Narnia movie. He was in, he's been in an X-Men movie and Three Billboards uh, and he's been in some other movies. I'm only reading just some of the movies that these people have been in. So again, three billboards outside Emming, Missouri. Highly recommend it if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> um, get ready for a two-hour movie, though. And uh, I'm guessing it's going to be up for Oscars. So see it now because it probably won't be in streaming by the time the Oscars come out. Or maybe it will. I don't know. Anyway, I recommend it. It's fun. It's moving, it's interesting, it's thought-provoking, and it's uh, just an acting, writing tour de force. Um, every time I say or hear tour de force, I think, what's the, what is the origin of that tour de force? It's like, huh? Um, and yet, and I could look it up on the internet right now, but you know, some things are just worth remaining a mystery. You know, there's a certain thing you, you always want a certain mystery in life. And, and I'm going to let that one stay a mystery to me because you don't need to know everything in life. You know, let's just leave tour de force. It's probably a French thing. I don't know. Tour de force. Let's just leave it. Let's just leave it as a mystery. Um, cause that's one of the fun things about life. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really do. 